Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 Podcast Friday show. Looking back at City's midweek redemption, looking forward to the weekend and a match at the gloriously sunny Etihad against Watford and checking out the other big game of the weekend and a lot more besides, no doubt. Uh, delighted to be joined by the main man himself. Uh, good morning, Asan. Morning, Howard. How are you doing? Fourth podcast of the week, mate. I'm doing great. <laughs> I know. I know. What can you say? Just, this is City. It's time. to talk about, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, gloriously sunny where you are. It is gloriously sunny. Been out since half seven this morning. I'm knackered already. Ah, oh, never mind. Talking about <laughs> City alert. Reinvigorate, you know that? Absolutely. Listening to you will reinvigorate me, my friend. <laughs> no need for sarcasm. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, right, I've got an opening question for you. Hit me. Now, reports in the media that there is an offer for a new contract on the table for John Stones. Now, we don't know this for a fact. Uh, I think there's only one source for this. Uh, but I guess the news would raise some eyebrows with uh, a lot of City fans considering recent performances, injuries, absences, last season, etc., I think he's got two and a half years left on his contract as well. Uh, now, I said it would raise eyebrows with some fans, but your thoughts on this, is it actually quite a logical move for City to make? Yeah, 100%. I think um, at the end of this season, he only has two years left on his deal. Um, he's still a relatively young player, England international. It'd be, you know, commercial suicide, as Stefan would say, to... Uh, to not get him tied up to a long-term contract. Uh, and I think also just if you look at the kind of the, the number of English players that we do or don't have in the squad, I don't think we're in a position to start throwing away players like Stones. Um, and obviously from everything that Guardiola has said in the last two years, he loves John Stones. So hmm. irrespective of whether we feel his form isn't great or he has injury issues, He's a big Guardiola favourite, so you would expect him to get a new deal. I've seen a lot of, you know, I mean, you you said something that I found quite critical in a way of Stones. Um, do you feel somehow that his time is limited at City or there's an issue with him? No, I, well, there's clearly an issue with him. I, no, I don't think his time is up. Okay. And I like, I would like him to be given all the time in the world. I'm just, I was trying to predict rather than giving an opinion. If you're talking about the discussion with Lloyd on, we've done so many shows this week. I don't even know which one it was. Uh, no, I just got a feeling that something changed with this latest injury because it was such bad timing. If you know what I mean? Uh, he had his chance to, you know, to get a run in the side, which is what we want him to do because I think that's. The only way he re, you know gets top form and rediscovers his form if he's lost it uh, is to stay in the side. So I just thought it was very damaging the timing of this injury. Uh, I've seen since seen his injury record; it's nowhere near as bad as I think in my head and other people's head thought it was. He's not permanently injured. Uh, the problems with last season, obviously, he was dropped were things off the pitch. So the injury side is not really a problem long-term, or it hasn't been in the past, unless he suddenly becomes injury-prone. I just felt this was very bad timing for him, considering the problems he had last season. No, I've no idea. I, I, I'm encouraged by the fact you say Pep loves him, because at the end of the day, if he does, if everything falls apart for him, he plays terrible football, blah, 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 he's not very sellable anyway. 
because, you know, he's probably on a healthy wage. He was on a huge transfer fee uh, at the time. And you don't give up on that, really. So, you know, other t- other players are not going to come in and match that, that £45 million transfer fee if we were ever looking to get rid of him. So it makes sense that we do give him time, we support him, and we know that there's a brilliant footballer in there. So, mm. no, I'm not, I wasn't trying to predict what will happen. I just felt this was a, you know, just really bad timing for him. That I guess that's the thing that I've seen a lot of criticism of his injury, which feels weird and harsh. Like, I don't like it when players get slagged off for being injured. A, a similar thing happened with Mendy, and, and you kind of feel a bit like, look, it's, there's a lot of stuff that you can kind of point at modern professional footballers and go, yeah, that's not cool. You're an idiot. But getting injured is just not one of those things. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree. I think the timing is terrible, but I think he'd be as gutted as anybody oh, yeah. at the fact that, you know, he had an opportunity to really cement himself in the side. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, he's, he's unfortunately picked up picked up an injury so yeah I mean I'm uh, I think that uh, that Stones still has got a huge future at City I've thought about it a lot over the last two or three days Um, I think that you know he was unlucky last season I'm not quite sure why Pep why he was so far away from the first team. I've begun to hear now, even outside of the city bubble, so in the mainstream media, I've begun begun to hear conversations from people who I guess would know these things, who have said it had more to do with off-the-field stuff yeah. rather than form or anything like that. So, yeah, I think with Stones, he's just been, he's just been unlucky and he's human. And if he's, you know, if 2019 has been... Obviously, a very bad year for him. Let's hope that twenty twenty is a much better one. And that it's a muscle injury, so they're not career defining. You know, you won't write off someone because he just picked up a five week muscle injury. But it is about the off fields. You know, I don't like to speculate about these of delicate nature when I know nothing about what he thinks, what he's going through, and I don't give a damn about his private life either. Yeah, unless it really affects the football. So it took, it wasn't the injury itself. It's the, yeah, this time it's how he deals with it. You said he'd be gutted. And I think it's psychological as much with Stones in believing in himself, not a, f- a football skill issue. Mm. I don't think, you know, a lot of said he hasn't kicked on, but I don't think it's to do with how good he is at football. So he believes in himself. Well, he will he will be a regular in his side. Absolutely, and I think you know when 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 people say he hasn't kicked on, I I, I feel Stones's issue. Look, John Stones in seventeen eighteen plays without Amendi for a run of games and is utterly world class. John Stones has put in enough top performances for City for us all to know that it's not about him kicking on. He's a top centre-half when he's on his game. The issue has always been consistency with Stones. And the... Right now, within the context of this conversation, he can't have consistency of performance if he's not getting consistency of selection. And that just hasn't happened in 2019. Yeah, that's a fair point. Right. That's, well, yeah, let's hope it is true. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I think it will be. Very, very limited source. But as you say, you know, it, these decisions will be pet led in a way. If he, he believes in him, that's great to know. Definitely. Uh, and will help. 
Neil Stones himself, yeah, in making something up, in staying and believing in himself. Uh, right, should we look back at the chapter match briefly? Yeah. Uh, disclaimer before we start, uh, Leaf Blower is not today's issue. The cutting down of a tree outside is today's issue. Wow, I can hear that the, from here, Howard. For the curse. Well, the tree has now been cut down. So you'd be glad that the tree's been cut down, but they're now cutting down pieces of the tree. So yet again, I am utterly cursed on the Friday show. Hashtag content, mate. Yeah, well, you think non-subscribers probably think that just this just goes on <laughs> 24-7 outside uh, my flat. So apologies again. Uh, I hope they won't be long because there's only a stump left. Uh, so looking back at the Shakhtar match, now the dust has settled, how good a performance did you think that is? Very good. Very, very good. I think that um, upon reflection and, and having watched extended highlights again, two things really jump out. I, I tweeted it at half time, and I think that when you watch it back, it's even more apparent. I think that against Norwich, we were unstable. I think that this mm. Guardiola team, it's only ever looked bad uh, on occasion. And generally, it's when you look unstable and even when you look at how unstable we looked against Norwich it really came down to two things set pieces and counter-attacks the reality is that we've always had a weakness with set pieces and counter-attack is pretty much the only way to get at this City team because we play with such a high line so you kind of you'll have those blips every now and again in terms of games but then the question is how do you react what do you do next and I think that what we did against Shakhtar which impressed me more than anything was the control was the, um, you know, if Norwich was as bad as it gets, I actually think Shakhtar is close to as good as it gets in terms of the Guardiola system, the positional play, the things that everybody does individually within their kind of the collect, the role of the collective, the individuals within that, what do they all do? And I think that they all performed collectively at the right level and I think that's why I feel you know I, I've I've read and heard a lot from people saying that Fernandinho wasn't really tested against Shakhtar that it's not really a test of um of him as a centre-back I think that's a terribly disrespectful thing to say to Shakhtar I think that when you go away from home in Europe particularly when you go to the Ukraine and you go to Russia those are incredibly difficult journeys and incredibly difficult matches and people shouldn't be fooled by the fact that we've been to Shakhtar in the last few years and put fours and fives past them because that's not the norm. We put five or six past Napoli the other year. And if you look at Napoli's record at home since then in the Champions League, it's incredible. So it tells you that it's not about those teams being easy. It's about this team in particular, when they perform at a high level, it's very difficult to play against them, whether you're Napoli or your Shakhtar, or your any other team. So yeah, I think the contrast between those two performances was was really huge, and everything that was bad about uh, Norwich was was good in the Shakhtar game. Yeah. Another thing is, the first round of the Champions League, we don't really know how the teams are going to, a lot of these teams are going to play. We just don't know how it's going to shape out for the season. We're still early in a season. And you'd always take a result like that and a performance like that in your first, you know, 
uh, group stage of the Champions League away from home. So, absolutely. Just like a general question about what you said. Uh, do you, are all teams not susceptible to the counter attack, or do you think City are, are it's worse because of the high line? <laughs> do we put ourselves at risk? It's, it's be- and do and do the positives obviously outweigh that risk that will occasionally come? Yes, and yes. I think that we play an extreme high line. I think we play an extreme form of attacking football. I think oftentimes when you look at positions on the pitch, when we have the football, it's not strange to see a single centre-half and a single fullback on the halfway line and every other City player well in the opposition half, trying to break the, uh, break the low block down. And I think that when you play like that, I mean, so I think it's the second... Norwich goal that I'm thinking of, which is the the sort of goal kick that's dropped into uh, dropped into the kind of middle of midfield, uh, where the lad turns one of our players and two passes and they're they're in on goal. I mean that's sort of how to play against City. It's not necessarily that. I mean, there's some things that we can look at positionally about that goal and how we conceded it and where players end up. But the point is that as that move is unfolding, that's how you get at City. That's how we will be got at. If you can drop a ball into midfield, play over the press, yeah, have a midfielder who can turn one of our midfielders, then you're going to have a free run at the centre-half because of the way that we press. We press so high up the pitch. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a... It's not an issue for me that I think what I'm interested in, and actually I want to ask you this just very quickly, um, is Fernandinho. I'm, I think he was brilliant. And I think that he was brilliant because his performance gave us a stability that Laporte playing in that position gives us. So what I want to know from you is, do you think that's a one-off or do you think that really Fernandinho can actually cement himself as the number one centre-back in the next two or three weeks, so that when Stones does come back, it'll just be Ferner plus one over until Laporte is back. Yeah, you can. I mean, I'm not going to get ahead of myself and say, yeah, definitely, that's the future. It's one game. Yeah, the, the Premier League will give different uh, different challenges in a way. But it doesn't really surprise me. He's, a, you know, he's classy, he's, he's experienced, he's world-wise... He played in a fairly defensive position anyway. It's not a huge leap of faith to you know to know to think that he could do that job brilliantly. Uh, you know, it's been discussed before. Even like Vincent Company started. You know, there is history of players interlocking between DM and central defence at this late yeah. stage in his career. Yeah, it might be a bit weird for him to do that, but nothing. Yeah, I thought it was he was top notch and. I, we'll see what the Premier League holds for him, and if, yeah, he's thirty-four. He doesn't look thirty-four. He might have, he might have the energy of a twenty-three-year-old. For all we know, but with the games coming thick and fast, it's just about how much he can play as well as how well he can play. But you just have faith in the guy who's just, you know, just so classy, basically, in what he does that he really, you know. I, I can't remember who said it. Is it is it another athletic piece or someone else? said he's got a tactics board at home. Yeah, uh, Sam said uses, it. Or was it Sam who works to explain stuff to his children? Uh, he's the sort of player. So, you know, this city squad, the players have taken on board brilliantly what Pep asked them to do. 
what you think there's about two or three players that are on another level and that they can sponge for what he tells them. And Fernandinho just seems to fit that criteria of taking on board what's asked of him. So I think he can, you know, change pretty quickly into a position like that. Will he be first choice? Well, we'll just say it depends, of course, how Otamendi does as well. We've got two very experienced players there now. If they stay fit, uh, maybe that's the best choice in the near future. Mm. Uh, I do, yeah. I just say it's the, the amount of football he obviously doesn't need to play in the Carabao Cup. He may there'll be the odd mistake, the odd, uh, yeah, but the odd mistake is is manageable. It should not define whether he should stay there or not. So, yeah, I, I think. Well, I guess it's a wait and see type of situation, but that was a very promising start. Yeah, yeah, I completely, yeah. I completely agree. And I just think, you know, I think we've got, I think there's examples in Guardiola's history. I think the Mascherano one is the most obvious example. I don't think Javi Alonso ever played at centre back for Bayern Munich, but I think that Mascherano and Javi Alonso and Fernandinho. Uh, are very similar types of players in their tactical intelligence and the way that Guardiola almost use has used them as quarterbacks or as coaches on the pitch, that kind of vibe. Um, and I just, I feel that maybe with Fernandinho training at centre-back since the start of the season, I almost wonder whether Guardiola didn't do this earlier because he felt it was a bit disrespectful to Stones or to Otamendi to just immediately plump for Fernandinho. Um, But now that they had that Norwich performance, I think it makes it a heck of a lot easier for Pep to basically go, well, look, Fern is going to play in one of the centre-back positions until until Laporte is back and then the other two can fight it out. But yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Okay, uh, final question. Well, no, two, a very quick one. Was Do you think this performance was because City players showed a response from the Norwich match? Or do you think it was just normal and Norwich was a one-off that has no bearing on anything else? Or did he see a response? I think it is. I think it's natural that when you when you've got the our team, when they've got the ability that they've got, when they lose a game, um, that they will take it out on the next opponent. And I think that what what I would like to see is that tempo, that aggression. I would like to see that again against Watford. What would disappoint me is if they went back 5%, because I think that one of the things that, you know, is... I think it's true. I don't know if other people do. I think that when people talk about, oh, this City team is so much better than than everything out there, and when people look at results in the way that they do and they go like, oh, but, you know, it's too easy for Man City. I think one of the things that people should acknowledge or realise is that absolutely, when our team plays at 100%, they are like that. They're almost impossible to deal with and they can score four, five, six goals. I think what also needs to be acknowledged, though, is that when this City team is 20% off its game, it can become very unstable very quickly. So for me, the the idea of City batter teams, we have to batter teams. We don't have 
a gear down or two gears down that we can play at. Because when we do drop those get that gear or two gears, Norwich happens. Because I think that when we don't play with the requisite intensity and the requisite tempo from minute one, we invite the oppo- opposition to be brave. And the braver the opposition are, if we're not of the right mindset as the opposition get braver, then again, things like the Norwich game happen. So I do think that we always have to have an eye on how we start games. And I think it's something that we've seen the last, I said this on a podcast after the Norwich game, that you know we've been so good for the last year or two because how many times have we had that conversation about, wow, how fast was that start? How many chances did we create in the first five or 10 minutes? I, you know, I think we went through a period towards the end of last season. And I think even this season where even if we weren't playing, even if we've not played great in the first five or 10 minutes of games, we're carving teams open. We're creating one or two of those massive chances that creates the panic and puts the fear in the opposition. So yeah, I mean, not to labor the point, but we must start quickly. Yeah. That final question. Uh, this tree seems to have defeated the tree surgeons. Excellent. I think the hacker gets it now with an axe. Uh, City are again favourites for the Champions League. Do you see the logic in this for a team that's never reached the final? Uh, but of course, is um, you know surely one of the strongest teams in Europe. So it's just a should we not take any you know bearing from Bucky's odds? Or do you still think you know if you were neutral, you've totally away from the City bubble? Would you be putting money on City winning this competition? Yeah, I think the I think part of the problem is that inside the City bubble, we um, kind of want it both ways. That you know, we want to be lauded and we want to be considered the best, but we also kind of want to be left alone and we don't want to be made favourites for everything all the time. We don't like that. But the truth is that over consistently over the last two years, by picking up 198 points, by operating at the level that we've operated at, by scoring the number of goals that we've scored, by winning the number of games that we've won in the league that we're in, it's natural that people consider us to be the best team in Europe. I mean, if you look at Real Madrid or you look at Barcelona or you look at Bayern Munich, who would be the three obvious teams that you think year on year are the Champions League favourites? Are you afraid of any of those three? Do you look at any of those three on paper and go, they're better than Man City, they should be favourites? I don't think so. So yeah. I, I do, I get why bookies, etc., make City the favourites. Cool. Anyway, excellent start to the Champions League. Let's now look ahead. Uh, Watford this Saturday, a very rare 3pm kickoff. Uh, you've touched on this. Thoughts on how you think Pep will approach the match? Do you see him making changes again? And will he just be drumming into the players? Just take on that Shakhtar performance into this one and don't let up. Um, I mean, look, I think that I don't think that Guardiola needs to have a special conversation uh, before the game this weekend. I think the approach needs to simply be a continuation of what we saw in midweek. I think that what, if anything, I hope the thing that Pep is impressing upon the players is this lot have got a new manager bounce. This lot are going to be playing for their new manager you have to be ready for them to be aggressive and to be, 
you know, as obdurate as, as Norwich were last weekend. And so you have to make sure that you start the game with the right intensity and the right attitude. Uh, yeah, as you touched on there, Watford have a new manager and an old manager, of course, if that makes sense. Uh, do you think this will affect how the game goes? Uh, I guess because I, I watched the Watford against Arsenal match last week. And I think it surprised even Watford fans in a way. Uh, Flores has this uh, reputation of probably a bit more organisation than Grazia, but uh, also a bit more defensive, uh, you know, blocks of players uh, to to restrict plays for the opposition. But that was a very open game against Arsenal. Maybe Arsenal were the cause of that openness. Uh, the last three minutes of the game were unbelievably chaotic, end-to-end. Uh, it was great to see. But Flores might have looked at other opposition managers and how they've treated City so far this season. And you know, and there's this, this saying in the media, this is how you beat City, even though some of those, most of these teams lost. But Brighton were quite brave against us with a new manager, uh, Bournemouth were brave against us, but uh, at home they probably would be. Uh, and of course, Norwich were brave. Do you think? Do you think Flores will come here and try and shut up shop, or will he take forward what he saw at Vicarage Road last week and and go at City and be quite brave himself? I think that they're very dangerous on the break. I think that with Andre Gray, with um, Delofio, Delofio. I'm sorry, I mispronounced that. Um, <laughs> and Ismaili Saar as well, uh, who they signed this summer from Ren, who I really like. Um, I think having those three, they'll be very dangerous on the break. So, I, I mean, obviously, I don't expect them to play with a high line. Do I expect them to try and press us? Probably, yeah. Do I expect them to be a threat on the break? Absolutely, I expect them to be a threat on the break. As for... Our team, what do you think Pep will approach this, looking at that team that did well against a team that didn't do well in a different competition last week? Do you see him ringing many changes for this one? No, I don't actually. I'd be... So, for example, I would expect... Uh, I can't imagine him changing both of the fullbacks. So, let's have a conversation about the selection. Like, I guess that's what we're doing. So... I imagine that one of Cancelo or Mendy will start. I can't imagine that both of them will start. He wouldn't change both the fullbacks. Um, I can see the midfield being a case of Gundo swapping out for David Silva. And to be honest, with the way that Mares played, I can see it being Mares and Sterling again. And then Aguero, Jesus. I mean, I guess the obvious thing is to expect Aguero to come back in. Um, let me throw this back at you. Do you think that would be harsh on, on Jesus if Aguero came back in? Uh, not really. No, it's what I expect. I wouldn't say harsh. Okay. He's done fine. But this is just the way it goes. He will, they will chop and change. Uh, they'll get plenty. If they're both fit, they'll get plenty of games each. But he's not one who's going to play them together much. Uh, obviously, trying to turn things around at Norwich. But he won't, I don't think he'll start many games with both of them. So... It is what it is in a way. I don't think it's in Julie Hart. It's not as if you put a 10 out of 10 performance in. Uh, I, my feeling is that the same with Aguero. Uh, I could just ask you about Kevin De Bruyne, you know, the discussion about him missing, not being picked, and you always pick your best games. Would you say the same about Ryan Sterling's played? I don't know, has he played pretty much every minute of this season? Mm-hmm. Can he ever be rested, or would you be 
dubious about doing the same again against a Watford side who could have a threat. Well, I mean, to be to be blunt, Raz doesn't get rested and he shouldn't be rested. The same reason that KDB shouldn't be rested. You know, the same reason that Laporte is never rested. There's some players who are... So Marty Perrinow described it to me as structural. That's the word that he used. He said there are some players in that team who are structural and those players play every game. They have to because they're part of the structure of the side. And then you have pieces around that who kind of come in and are interchangeable. Um, so no, I don't I don't expect um, Sterling to drop out. Uh, I don't expect De Bruyne to drop out. I imagine that Fernandinho, whilst Laporte is out, is very quickly going to become structural as well. So I don't see him stepping out because of the issues at centre-half. That means Rodri has got to stay where he stays. I think literally the only question, the only selection questions are the two fullbacks and potentially the number nine. And even that's a bit, you know, as we say, Aguero for me is the undisputed number one. So why wouldn't he play tomorrow? So actually it's only the fullbacks that there's a that there's a question mark over. Do, do you do you agree with that with the injuries that we've got? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's I always you know Boring to say it, we don't see the science side of it. There's, they have zones, colours, don't they? And if anyone's showing a bit of fatigue, we have the depth to, to, to rotate. Uh, but if they're not showing any fatigue, then yeah, there's certain players that probably demand to be to be played. Uh, have you seen any drop off though from Sterling in, in the two games since? If you look, obviously, the Norwich, we could pick on any player. Uh, but what did you think of him about Shakhtar? Would you say there's any signs of fatigue or? Nope. No, no I mean... happy with his performance? Yeah, because I don't think that Sterling is, you know... I, I don't think you can take Sterling out of the team. It's literally that simple. I think that he has unique characteristics that nobody else in the side has. He does things that nobody else can do and he causes problems that nobody else can cause. So even if Raz is having a terrible game in front of goal, even if his touch is miles off by the very virtue of him being on the pitch and the pace that he's got and the runs that he does make, he causes problems that nobody else in the side causes. So for that reason, I think that, you know, short of him having a disastrous run of form, I don't see him. I don't see the need to rest him. It's just too early. In the, like I, I, I really don't understand how we find ourselves rotating players in September. I just don't, I don't get it. Not the big players, anyway. I mean, I can completely understand if you want to rotate your fullbacks. I can understand maybe if you want to rotate one of your eights, but you don't take out your best, your most important players. You don't rotate them right now. There's plenty of other fixture pileups coming in the next two or three months to rotate them out. Yeah, I agree with Mendy as well. I can't see him starting. Preston might be the one. If we are doing well in the match, you may get some minutes again. Uh, but I know you noticed, I think you mentioned off air after the game, uh, were you happy with just, obviously, how Mendy played is kind of irrelevant. But Shakhtar, did you see him? We've talked, up. he's got to be wary about his injuries for a while, psychological side of it as well. You know, the, the absolute, he'll be petrified of getting another one more injury. Did it just seem quite confident to you the way he was running when he came on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, I, I made the point that um, in his last comeback 
Do you remember what the game was? He played a single game last season after his comeback, or maybe he played a couple. Anyway, um, whatever the game was, it was really obvious that he wasn't prepared to sprint. So yeah. it, there was two or three opportunities, and he just didn't trust his body. It was really obvious. Uh, and I was really scared at that point because I was sort of looking at him going, wow, I wonder if that's him done at that level because he just doesn't trust his knee enough anymore to sprint. I was really delighted to see him make five or six proper sprints in a 10 or 12 minute period when he came on uh, against Shakhtar. And I think that that bodes really well. I do, basically, I, I don't think that in any of his previous comebacks, he's looked as fit as he did in those 10 or 12 minutes. Now, again, tiny sample pool. He might have made those sprints because he was only he knew he was only going to be on the pitch for 10 minutes. But still, he trusted his body to sprint. That's the big thing for me. Yeah. Uh, we know he's been training for weeks anyway. Uh, pure speculation, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's had some you know, games behind closed doors type thing. Mm. Uh, not just a case of running around the training field. They've taken this so slowly that I assume they've been testing uh, his his lower body for for quite a long time. Yeah, in it, if he hadn't had a history of injuries, he'd probably be back a good few weeks earlier. But uh, they've taken this one very slowly as they should do. So, okay. Uh, well, I was going to ask you about historical stats. Uh, I'm not I'm not tempting fate. This is just a fact <laughs> that since the takeover of 2008. I think we played what for the eleven times and won eleven times with a goal difference of thirty-eight six. Uh, does historical having this hoodoo over them really count for anything when they line up on Saturday, or is it just utterly irrelevant to to this match? Completely irrelevant. Yeah, we okay. had the same. We had somebody gave me a similar stat about Norwich last weekend. Yeah, so you know that record is very very good. Yeah. Okay, right. We'll finish with a score prediction then. I'm not making a score prediction. Yeah, I'll leave that to you. I'll leave that to you. I'm the jinx. Been told by several people to never, ever, ever make a score prediction again. So, don't think. Why? Why do you predict Norwich? uh, Norwich Watchford to win then. (laughs) (laughs) If you were jinx. No, no. Actually, you know what? Fine. If you want me to make a prediction, I think it'll be. Uh, I do think that we'll, we'll win, but I don't think that it'll be anything other than uh, a tight game. Um, so I think probably 2-1, something like that. Yeah, so if that's 3-1, we're not going to absolutely wallop them. I don't think that at all. Uh, yeah, I think the new manager bounce does have some effect, but the players will be up for it. So, yeah, we will see. Looking forward to it. And as I said, the sun will be out, which makes a nice change, so... Right, let's finish off. Uh, the other match of the weekend, we always look at another match, and I guess it has to be the one on Sunday, Super Sunday, at Chelsea against Liverpool at Stamford Bridge. Uh, first question, they both lost, of course, in the Champions League this week. Do you think that affects at all how they approach this match, or has it just negated itself and there'll be a fresh start for them? Well, I mean... Of course, when you lose a game of football, it affects your thinking for the next game on some level. It has to, um, whether that's selection or performance of players or tactics. Um, I think it'll be more, I think it's a much more disappointing result for Chelsea, having lost at home. I think that's that's 
that'll be very disappointing for them, particularly against a Valencia yeah. side who are meant to be in some type of chaotic free fall. Marcelino having been sacked once the season had begun. Um, the expectation was that they would really get turned over and they, they played really well by all accounts. It was a tight game though. I've, I didn't see it, but uh, from everything I've read, it was a tight game. I think for Liverpool, it's easier to excuse going to Napoli, which is a tough place to go and losing. Particularly, they can say it wasn't a penalty and therefore that was the crucial goal, all of those things. So I think uh, in terms of who will be more affected by the midweek result, I expect Chelsea will be more affected by it. Yeah. I find it so hard, flip-flops so much on... uh... Lampard and how good this team is, how good he is. Uh, so now I'm changing my mind again after <laughs> the latest result. Oh, do you make Liverpool clear favourites in this game? Especially, uh, I assume Mount is out for an unknown amount of time, uh, though it's not ligament damage, as was or- originally feared. Uh, do you see Liverpool being on top for this one? Um, No. Uh, for I mean again before people start saying oh wishful thinking no 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 I mean like uh, Liverpool are a top team uh, I like Chelsea under Lampard I think Mount is out but I believe that uh, Hudson Odoi is back so right. I think that makes a big difference uh, for them if you can bring Hudson Odoi in I know that he played ninety minutes for their under twenty ones uh, last Friday. So you would expect him to be involved on some level at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just, I think, oh, that was the other thing. I think I, I watched the Super Cup game between the two and that was a really good game, an incredibly competitive game. Uh, both sides gave a lot um, and it was pretty even. So I think that it will be, I wouldn't make Chelsea outright favourites, um, but I wouldn't make Liverpool outright favourites either. I think it's going to be uh, a relatively even game. And actually, I think the fact that uh, Liverpool were away in Napoli in the Champions League in midweek, the travel, the fact that they have to go away, go down to London this weekend, it do- it will have some impact, I imagine. Um, the question is just the flip side of, can Chelsea... I think with Liverpool, it's always a case of can you deal with uh, the front three for the first 20, 30 minutes? I think if you can do that, you you give yourself a chance. Um, So I think that that's what they'll have to do and then also pose a threat themselves going the other way. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that it will affect Liverpool, the loss, just the fact that they've not lost a game of football in so damn long to actually lose by two clear goals does that affect them or do you have so much muscle memory of all those games that you've won that you just kind of brush it off yeah I don't think it affects them at all okay. uh, I think we wanted to say that the the defeat in the league against us would you know psychologically damage Liverpool in January uh, and it didn't really and I don't think it would do the way well I mean obviously they'd had a huge lead if the result had gone the other way around so it might damage City because, you know, you just have to look at the league table. I they lost, obviously, they lost three group games away from home last season. It didn't really, you know, it didn't hit their league form, did it? I think they'll be quite pragmatic about what happened 
in Naples because it was you know a close game where they threatened as much and could have gone either way. And I think the the thing about Liverpool, you know, we were saying last season, well, the Cumble at some point, uh, and someone who I did a pod with off air said to the, you know this week, now yeah, they will have their blip. And I was saying, well, we said that last season, said no, they will this time. They can't just keep going winning. But I do think they are stronger psychologically. That you know, I would always said that you talk about other teams that people say about Arsenal, that soft underbelly, uh, flimsy. You know, little things can put them off. I think what you know, the strongest thing about the Liverpool, apart from how good the players are, I do think psychologically they won't go on some spiral of bad results because of one thing happening. I think they are psychologically very stronger because mm. they have. I think they have belief in themselves now. Yeah, for the first time in a very, very long time. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing I would say though is that they've gone almost two seasons playing using only fourteen, fifteen players and having almost no injuries. That's incredible. That's really, really, really incredible. That goes beyond good physios and all that stuff. There's 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 luck involved in that. You have to be lucky or unlucky with injuries. And I'd be, I mean, yeah, I'd be surprised if they get another season, if they manage to eke out another season without a single serious injury. I think they took our physio, didn't they? The other year, so yeah, no one would have paid much attention to that. But uh, yeah, maybe it's his his wonderful work that's uh, keeping them fit. But yeah, you just think. Obviously, they'll say well, we have had injuries. Allison's out. Gomez has been out. Obviously, Chamberlain was out for a long time. Uh, but the key players have really, you know, yeah. really key. I mean, Allison is key in a way, but for a month, it's not a huge. Loss, is it? No, and I mean, look, let's let's be real, right? Um, it, they've we've lost De Bruyne for more or less a season, and Mendy for more or less a season, and now Laporte for more or less a season in three seasons, and all three of those players, I would argue, are similar to Van Dyke, to Andy Robertson, or to. One of any one of those front three, and I think that if you pick any of those players, those three players, um, and take them out for an entire season, it affects Liverpool's results. There's no way that they can go an entire season and have it not affect their results if they lose Van Dyke or they were to lose Andy Robertson or they were to lose one of Firmino, Mane, or or Salah. Oh, final question then. If Liverpool do win, will that be a big statement for their league campaign or is it still far too early for such predictions? Yeah, it's too early to be to be making uh, proclamations and, and statements. I think that, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not... For the moment, we just need to keep winning games and they just need to keep winning games. We need to see where we get to. and We will both drop points over the next two or three months. Um so, yeah, no, I don't think that a win for them on Sunday is something that City should worry about right now. We need to beat Liverpool when we play them, particularly at home. Um, I believe that we play them at home first. Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. So if that is the case, I've kind of got my eye on that game, and I think that'll be key. Yeah. Cool. Right, well, I won't ask you for a score prediction because, 
you hate them. <laughs> any, any other business you want to discuss? Or um, no, I think I think that's a nice, lovely jaunt through the week. That was. Yeah, the tree is down. Excellent. Yeah, not that I asked for it to be chopped down, but there you go. So apologies if you did hear any background noise. Typical. The curse continues. Asan, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show today. Absolutely no pleasure. Don't forget, if you're listening on SoundCloud and you are not a member of the 9320 playover, go, player, go over to 9320.com and sign up to the 9320 player. It's £4 a month, and for that you get... Well, as we said, we already done four podcasts this week. We did over 100 last season, reviews, previews, interview specials, which there will be plenty of in the next few months. So, yeah, there'll be loads of content coming. If you like podcasts and you like Manchester City, you should probably sign up to the Night 320 player. Yeah, well said. And another reminder, the blog site on the website is active. We're putting some great stuff out there. Uh, not my stuff, the other stuff, obviously. I wouldn't pick myself up ever. But we're trying to do something different. There's loads of quality content on there. Uh, do check it out. Uh, there's lots of stuff uh, to read about City. And lots of different stuff coming up too on the site in the next week. So do check it out. Thanks for listening. Uh, lots more shows coming up, as Asan said. We'll have a review of the Watford match, of course. The Carabao Cup is returning. So obviously we're really excited about that. And the games come thick and fast. So on next time, until next time, goodbye. Over the Blues. <laughs>